Once again, uh, to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. Um, really exciting show today, um, as you probably can already hear. I, of course, am Bob McDonald, uh, Cleveland State columnist over at More Than the Fan Cleveland. You can catch me on Twitter at Bob McDonald and over at cleveland.morethanthefan.net. And with me, as always, Jimmy Lemke from Panther U. Hello, everybody. How is your – well, not your Sunday because this is coming on Monday. So how is your Monday, yes. people who don't have microphones and are listening to this after the fact? Yes, and if you can catch Jimmy on Twitter at PantherU and at PantherU.com. And I got to say, uh, what you just heard right at the beginning, we had a musical intro today. Um, the – uh, as many of you know, Norris Cole got his uh, number retired on Saturday against uh, right before the Oakland game. And what you heard, that clip you heard, was a was a song um, created by one of our local hip hop artists here in Cleveland, uh, Grady Cope. And the song's called Norris Cole. Um, you can catch him on uh, SoundCloud. You can catch the whole song on SoundCloud at Grady Co. Um, spells uh, spelled with two D's, so it's G R A D D Y Co. Um, at uh, on SoundCloud, uh, and then you can catch him on Twitter at Grady Co. So yeah, support, check it support out. Your, support the music, guys. Support the music. Absolutely. Um, I guess I shouldn't. You know, it's always good to see. You know, it's always. Always good to see, you know, some props for Cleveland State and Norris Cole, of course. Um, and it, it shouldn't be surprising to any Cleveland State fan at all because um, the, in Cleveland, as we all know, um, if you are well known, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to have a T-shirt made for uh, about you or a song made about you. So it, this is well within that tradition because it, there's a, it, last year there was somebody created a song called Kyrie Irving. So this is the next natural tr- tr- progression. So, so where's the gear? Is there a Gary Waters T-shirt or a or a song about Gary Waters? Um, not a song. Um, there may be a there may be a T-shirt out there though. Um, hey, Grady Co, get on it! Get on it! I got ten bucks for Grady Co if he makes a song about Gary Waters. And- <laughs> I just want to. I want to hear it. I think it would be hilarious. Like, let's just do it. Why not? That, th- there's the challenge there. Uh, Grady Co. or anybody, any of the other uh, Cle- hip hop artists in Cleveland, because we've I've shot them out a couple, at least more than once before on this podcast. Give us a give us a Gary Waters song. Uh, uh, this is sort of Gary Waters related. Has Antonio Gates ever been to one of your basketball games? He has n- not. That I'm aware of no. He's a, he's, a, he's a Kent State alum, so I am I'm of the full running assumption that he's going to Kent State games, uh, despite the fact that obviously that you know, Gary Waters he paid for Gary Waters. 
I was wondering because you know, yeah. so we, we've got a tight end in the NFL who is who came from our team. So uh, yes, he, we, you do. We actually did a uh, bobblehead of him at last year's game. The uh, the guys who Phil Sklar and Brad Novak who run the bobble the brand new National Bobblehead Hall of Fame. Um, they, oh. they they got some Demetrius Harris bobbleheads made. Like a Demetrius oh, okay. Harris. I mean, we weren't retiring any kind of. Uh, we weren't retiring his jersey or anything. Um, I think pretty much everybody wants to forget that se- his senior yeah. season of 2012-13. But um, it is what it is. So. Yes. And, and by the way, Norris Cole also had a bobblehead. Um, I should be getting mine at some point in time very soon. Um, and uh, I would not. And to your previous point, I would not doubt that there is a uh, there's definitely Cleveland State T-shirts. Um, whether there is one for Gary Waters is unknown. But if there, you know, who will probably make it? It will be uh, the folks over. Uh, it will be the, uh, Greg Vlosich, who is kind of the one of the primary T-shirt moguls here in the Cleveland area, and I might add a former walk-on to the basketball team. I'd like to be a t-shirt mogul. That sounds pretty awesome. That's you like know a, what? If you come to Cleveland, there, there's a pretty there, we've we've got we've got quite a few of them. You'd fit right in. Are they like? Are, when we're talking about the t-shirts, are we talking about like like uh, like airbrush t-shirts? Or are we talking about like? No, we're talking print? high. We we are talking high quality t-shirts that are sold all over the sold all over the country. I mean, there's that's you know. Really, it's a pretty. Oh yeah, absolutely. We we take our t-shirts seriously here in Cleveland. We always have. So, um, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, we take our and we take our hip hop here in Cleveland very seriously as well too. So just you know, so you know, naturally that those are the things that we kind of gravitate to here in the here in town. Cool. So, um, but the other thing. We'll actually get into the current Cleveland State roster in a bit, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the actual game, um, the Cleveland uh, against Oakland. And Oakland, once again, uh, they did, you know, they did to me exactly what they did against Wright State and clamped down on defense, and they won by 10 points. And this, and I didn't even realize it, this is the sixth game in a row that they've won. Um, you know, they, they took that loss to Northern Kentucky and just, you know, turned it around. And, you know, now they're back in, in a second-place tie in the Horizon League. You know, I, I think a lot of people overreacted when Wright State just pasted Oakland. It's a team that, you know, you're, you're, prone, you're prone to a bad shooting night. Everybody is. So when it happens, it's pretty it's pretty glaring for for a program. So Oakland had a bad night, and they're not great with the defense. They they don't have perfect defense. They they're definitely um, not as good this year as they have been in previous years. So for them to step through that, mm-hmm. it was good um, to see them get back to where they are. I mean, maybe they're not the number two team at the end of the year, but they've done pretty well for themselves since that right state loss. What are we at? Six, uh, Northern, six, six Northern Kentucky, they, Northern Kentucky, they lost to, they actually uh, turned around and then beat right state at home. Yeah. That's pretty they good. Have, they, 
Yeah, they've only played. Yeah, they only they now mind you, you know, Oakland still has to play Wright State at the Nutter Center, and they still have to play Valpo at the Arc. So um, there are some clear opportunities for uh, you know chances for losses there. Plus, they they still have to play. You know, they do still have to play Oakland and Green Bay, and they're not completely bulletproof at home as they were last year. Yeah. So. so, so I tough outs. So I t- I totally get that. Um, that Oakland, you know, I, I don't think anybody is going to be going undefeated in the second half, and that includes Valpo. It's, you know, it's just this is too tough of a league to go undefeated, um, at, you know, any, at any point. Um, it's obviously we've only had one undefeated team in the modern Horizon League era. That was 2010 Butler, and they were a pretty good basketball team. I mean, they were one shot away for the national title. So it's really, um, it's really a matter of picking your spots and hoping that the losses you do take are losses that won't hurt you down the road. Um, we just got swept by Wright State. That was a big problem for us because we were hoping going into the second half of the season in Milwaukee that we would – be challenging for uh, you know a a buy in the second half of the season, and now at at the absolute best, Milwaukee's looking at we have to the point where we have to do at least one game better than Wright State because that's a sweep. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. gonna be even harder now that you know last yesterday happened. So, and and yesterday is of course the there the seventy five seventy one loss at Northern Kentucky. Once again, Northern Kentucky, surprising again. You know, I, we weren't expecting it, so obviously. I don't I really think it. anybody – honestly, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year that Northern Kentucky was going to win at least five games in the Horizon League, um, I would have told you you were crazy. I would have told you you were crazy. I got to say completely wrong. Um, I, I got to say that they do have a really – Northern Kentucky – um, you, you can't really take anything away from them because every single week we seem to be talking about them, you know, surprising somebody. So, yeah, and I'm sure that they will be full of more surprises coming in. I, you know, they, they, I think they're, as we've mentioned on many in many past episodes about the this dividing line between the top teams and the bottom teams, and Northern Kentucky is, you know, even in this first year is really starting to sort its way out of that bottom. And um, maybe they're, maybe, they, you know, it seems like, you know, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, you know, thinking that, you know, we, you know, the, you know we have been predicted to finish at the bottom of the conference. Um, next time, do some, do your research guys. <laughs> it, you know, in Northern Kentucky, They've got good players. Jalen Billups is a fantastic basketball player. I don't think anybody was trying to say that Billups wasn't good. Um, I don't. I didn't think going into the game or going into the season, I didn't think that he was going to be as as effective as he as he has been. So mm-hmm. I would say he's been a, a very nice change of pace. And last night, what bit us was the same thing that's bitten us all season: three point shooting. Um, except last night, you know, again, we're talking about a team that, um, we're talking about a team that shoots the three pointer fairly well in Northern. Absolutely. 
and they took advantage of us. And, you know, we, we played with a balanced offense. The last couple of games, you know, our, our, our teams really look, looked to limit the amount of three-pointers. They've still taken some stupid ones, so we're not there yet. But mm-hmm. this is a it's a pretty good um, we're not we're not there yet, but we're close as far as like <laughs> the offenses. But the defense, I'm sorry to say, the defense is just lagging so terribly for Milwaukee that. If if you were just talking about a team that was on the offensive end of the basketball, I think we'd be one of the three or four best, or one of the two or three best in the conference. If you're talking mm-hmm. about as a, if you were just looking at the defenses, I think we're one of the two or three worst. And mm-hmm. you have to have balance on offense. And we've we've, you know, when we played Wright State the other night, we took only 18 three pointers, which would be a lot for most teams. 18 three pointers is actually a really low number for Milwaukee. So. It and is. we shot we shot fifty percent of them because they were they stopped taking the dumb threes at the beginning and started you know waiting for them. They still take threes. When I say when I say you got to have balance, that doesn't mean stop shooting threes. That means take better threes, take better shots. So they did, but the problem is is that Milwaukee, as has been the case all season, our perimeter defense especially has been very porous and they don't, they don't cut off passing lanes. They don't cut off driving lanes. So it's hard for us to really keep up because we have a good offense, but our, our defense is just so porous that if the horizon league tournament were to start today, I just don't see us winning. You know, I just don't see us going to the NCAA tournament and winning the conference tournament. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. For, for me, in, in my opinion. The way I see it is I, I, I see Milwaukee having a real lag on defense. Some teams, like I feel like Oakland has so many possessions, and Green Bay makes so many possessions that a lot of the times those two schools, and Detroit does this too on occasion, not as well as the other two, but I think that Oakland, Green Bay, and Detroit are good examples of schools that play, have, have so many possessions on the court that it doesn't matter if their defenses are bad because they're giving their offense so many opportunities anyways, and they're pushing the tempo and they're changing the game. But Milwaukee has played uh, I'm going into yesterday's game. I haven't looked at the numbers since because I'm just trying to get over this depression. <laughs> We've got, we, we put, before going into yesterday, we were uh, was six and four in the conference, 10, uh, 10 games into the season. Mm-hmm. The only team we played twice was Wright State. Mm-hmm. And in those 10 games, only once did we hold a team to less than their season average an overall field goal percentage and three-point percentage. Only once. And that was the Northern Kentucky game, the second game of the conference season, where they started lights out hot at the beginning – they were up nine to nothing and at seventeen two like really early, and mm-hmm. then the, the Panthers just took over. The problem being that we've just taken over, and then we took over from a game a game that we were all of a sudden getting swamped on. We were getting beaten up, so we have to come back, and that's been the case with the Panthers all season long. Everything's about coming back. 
um, they've taken a bunch of licks early on in the first half of games and have had to dig themselves out of deep holes. The other night against Wright State, we were down 20 at one point and dug a hole. And they had the Panthers dug themselves out of it, and they almost won. And, you know, it was one or two plays away from possibly, you know, winning that game. But Mm -hmm. if the Panthers hadn't dug themselves into a hole, that wouldn't happen. And a lot of the hole digging has to do with the fact that the perimeter defense is so terrible. Um, Valpo, so there's Northern Kentucky. Valpo shot... Uh, 5% worse in the, in the game against us at, at the arc. 5% worse from three. And, and Oakland shot one-tenth of a percentage worse than their, um, their season. Oh, and in oh. case you were wondering, the, uh, the Northern Kentucky had shot 50% from beyond the arc against uh, Milwaukee yesterday. So that's 11 for 22. Game. That's another game where we're talking about Milwaukee not playing great on the defensive end. And it's really the perimeter. Um, a lot of people give a, a lot of people give JJ Panoski or according to the guy announcing yesterday on ESPN three, JJ Panowski, you know, oh, a, lot, geez. a lot of people give, you know, a lot of people give him sl- like flack because he's not, because they perceive him to be soft or something. And that's not the case. If we didn't have J.J. Panaski, we'd probably be giving up 100 points a game. <laughs> Maybe not that much. But we'd be giving up so much more a game. And that has little to do with, uh, that has little to do with, the, with the defense of other guys as much as it is to do with J.J. as a very good post defender. So, but we're talking about one guy. And so without any playing in the post then when he's out of the game all of a sudden we have you know real problems staying in games and the problem there once again is that we're back to Milwaukee not having defense so the teams that separate themselves from the rest of the conference are Valpo who plays strong defense and strong offense Oakland, mm-hmm. Oakland that mitigates its problems on defense by rep, ramping up the amount of possessions. But again, as, a, as to your point about Oakland, again, you, you have a couple of occasions where, despite the fact that you know many times defense is a foreign language to them, they will on occasion get some get some you know clamp down on defense again as they did against Wright State and again as they did yesterday against Cleveland State. Now Cleveland State of course is a completely different animal because Cleveland State doesn't really have not their their offense is, is really lacking. Despite the yeah. fact they're still even even still even the taking even with the first two games where they gave up 80 plus points, they're still a top 3 defensive team in the league. Despite that, and but yet they don't have the they don't have the offense to go along with that, and that is something that. Um, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know that it is. You know you do have a mitigating. You still, despite that, those two outliers really, you still have kind of a mitigating circumstance. Is it you know with with 
Oakland where they typically um, don't really they, they're and maybe it's because of the way that they run you know their the, the pace of their game kind of just it doesn't really allow them to be able to um, concentrate on defense all that much since they you know they are really a, um, a you know a fast moving get you know score points and bunches type of type of offense there uh, it's 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 about it's about putting together the kind of plan that works for your team and Oakland doesn't have you know Oakland lost Dante to graduation so they're needing to get somebody who you know they were needing to build an offense around you know they were needing to build a team around the fact that they are not as good on the defensive end and you do the one of the way Greg Campy solved that problem is by you know like I said ramping up the you know you ramp up the offensive possessions you push the tempo I mean he, able- could, he couldn't do that if he didn't have K Felder you know there's but of course his team wouldn't be anywhere near as good without K Felder so it's a matter of sure. really something that works for you but at the same time even when you don't you know when you don't have K Felder doing K Felder like things like he, uh, as as was the case yesterday um, where he was, he was held, you know, to below his season average, despite the fact scoring wise, you know, Cleveland State was able to, you know, lock him down. He was still able to, uh, he still got eleven assists, and and you know, Jalen Hayes compensated for, uh, you know, his lack of offense by you know putting on a show of his own. Oakland's a Oakland's a good adaptable basketball team, and when you have uh, when you have the talent that you know, when you have the talent that a team like that does, and they have the flexibility by having a balanced roster, you know mm-hmm. they have, they have players on the offensive end. They have, or they they have players in the post. They have players in the backcourt, and all of these guys are able to do enough on both sides that they can play any number of ways. And that's how that's how Oakland's able able to do, you know, able to beat so many teams. As beating Cleveland State may not be the same thing you need to do to beat Youngstown State. So Oakland can match up both of those teams because Oakland can, you know, do the things they need to do to beat both of those teams. And that's one of the things I think Valpo does really well too. Is Valpo is a team that's built to beat everybody. And Valpo is also a team that's built to not rely so much on any one person. Alec Peters, who very, very well could maybe should be in some people's minds player of the year. Alec Peters doesn't have anything in the way of, you know, he's not, he's not relied on completely. If Alec Peters has a bad game, they can still win going away. They beat us by 12 in a game that, Alec Peters himself scored points. So it's good for because you're talking about a team that really doesn't um, make you're talking about a team that really, really, really doesn't do doesn't play guys way too much. So all of a sudden sure. Valpo's looking at I mean, how many guys even play thirty minutes a game for them? I don't I think there may be one or two 
If no. That. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, yeah. how is that going to play against teams that have some players that play 35 minutes a game? It's not going to help. It's going to be a hard thing. So beating Valpo is going to be even more difficult. Okay, exactly. Um, and that, and then it's going to come to it's going to come down to what you know where you're at and what you know what you what you're able to do. And maybe, um, and this is again kind of where the neutral court comes kind of comes into play, only because of the fact that you know there may all all the stars aligning properly there could be an opportunity there. I'm not sure if there's going to be an opportunity to, you know, there because, you know, Valpo's playing so well, but, you know. Anybody can win any one basketball game. Uh, we, 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 we did see Youngstown State beat Butler, you know, in their second national runner-up year at the Beagley Center. So I wouldn't say that, no, I, w- I wouldn't say that, you know, somebody's unbeatable. Valpo's beatable. It's just... It's it's a law. It's all about percentages. You know, if you're a rested team that just happens to also be the best team in the conference, you're you're just making your percentage better. Because mm-hmm. you need Kay Fowler to play 40 minutes in that game against Valpo if they have run into them in the tournament. And if Oakland runs into the tournament and Kay Fowler's got to play 40 minutes, and he's played 35 plus all season, um, I don't know how much he's got in the tank. Is what I'm saying. So. I, I, I'm speaking, of course, from my point of view. We are one of three teams in Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee is one of three teams to win four games in the in the current in the current Horizon League tournament uh, double by structure and go to the tournament. The others were Detroit, uh, was it in 2012, and then um, Cleveland State in '09. Nine. Yep. You know, so, you guys, yeah. And for us, uh, it worked for us because Jordan Aaron had missed four of the last five games of the season, and he couldn't practice with the team because of his uh, suspension. And all of a sudden, you know, Jordan Aaron was the tournament MVP because he was rested. Uh, oh yeah, it, it was a big, it was a big part of how you know how we did. So, um, it's it's hard to see a team go into you know go into Detroit and beat Valpo when Valpo is rested as well as the most balanced and probably the best team in the in the Horizon League tournament. But things change between now and then. You don't know. Maybe somebody gets hurt, or maybe you get some team where somebody all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and they turn into a good basketball player. And you know, some you know, for us, Malcolm Moore in 2014 didn't play almost at all in the first half of the season. He started to play a little bit more during the Horizon League season, and then all of a sudden by the Horizon League tournament, by the time the Horizon League tournament came around, he was one of our one of our two best post players, or three best post players, and he was really relied on in the Horizon League tournament and then in the game against uh, Villanova. So it's about it's about finding the pieces, and from what I hear, uh, what you have told me before we got on, it sounds like, it sounds like, um, Gary Waters is blowing up Cleveland State. Is that is that? Uh, what yeah. Um, here's what here is, um, and I'm not really a hundred percent sure on this one, but here's the thing, um, and here's the um, after the Detroit game, 
um, where once again, Cleveland State starts out okay and then completely fizzles at the end. If it sounds like a broken record, it's happened pretty much every single loss. Um, And he was not happy because he does not, he feels that he does not have the offense to be able to compete at this point at all. And, and that's, and that's kind of the problem because right now you have, um, he doesn't have any shooters. I mean, the only real three pure three point shooter he has is Daniel Levitt, the walk on who's not even playing right now because he's got it because he's still nursing. He's still recovering from um, a, a knee injury, thankfully not torn, uh, no torn ligaments or anything, but you know, he, you know, he, He's out for an extended period of time, maybe for the rest of the season. You have Rob Edwards, a freshman who, you know, he's getting, I think he's getting to a point where he's either kind of running out of gas or he is not finding the shots that he is, he's been able to uh, originally because of the fact that there's no other option. And, you know, teams have kind of clued in on this. And so they can, you know, they can force him to, create they can force him to to put up shots that he may not normally may not have had to put up previously then you have andre yates who is coming who is actually coming off another an injury i'm i was actually surprised to see him um for the detroit game but andre yates is not really a shooter he's more of a slasher he's usually the guy who goes in the paint so um so there's so i i don't really count him as you know one of those primary shooters because you know he he can you know he'll he's good for maybe a, a three-pointer or two um but that's that's kind of about it and then from there you really don't have anybody and it shows because uh, once again the the lowest scoring average in the entire horizon league still the one of the lowest uh three-point shooting percentages in the horizon league and these are not just the this is not just the Horizon League. These are national numbers. Cleveland State has been at or near the bottom offensively nationally among 350 teams. And so when you when Gary Waters looks at kind of the landscape and he sees that every game in and game out he's getting beaten because he doesn't have the offensive power. He's yeah. he's looking to reevaluate now, mind you. Of course, now next year some of the some things are going to come into play that that are already in place. First of all, um, Daniel Levitt will be back on the uh, Daniel B. Levitt will be back in the rotation um, since he doesn't require surgery. He'll be healed, well rested. He'll be fine. In addition, uh, he has a he has a transfer for Moral Roberts, Bobby Word. He is also coming in, and he is by all accounts, an outstanding shooter. So you're going to have that. After that, okay. then you got some question marks. Then you begin to – because Gary Waters, he, he mentioned, you know, he wants five shooters. And he stated, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that he has only has like one and a half right now. So the question becomes, who exactly is he, bring, is he going to be able to bring in? And – who exactly is not going to be on this team next year. And that's kind of a state that's a, that, and that took me by surprise because that is the first time I have ever heard that in the Gary Waters era ever. I mean, 
to the point where he wants to redo the rebuild. Because <laughs> by all accounts, this was supposed to be a rebuilding season, uh, you know, a learning experience. And he's apparently come to the learning. He's come to learn that, man, I don't have any offense. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I have any offense next year either. Um, so there's going to be some questions as it relates to um, where you, what he's going to, what kind of offensive production and who he's going to get offensive production from. Um, I, I can come to the conclusion that uh, uh, Terrell Hales, um, he's a defensive guy. He's always going to be a defensive guy. So, and, and that's a Gary Waters signature. So I, I'm not so much, I don't really, I've always, I never really kind of look to him for defense, uh, for offense, always looked to him for defense as was the case yesterday or as on Saturday. Cause he, he was the primary guy on K Felder and he again was the guy to keep K Felder from doing K Felder things. Um, but the, but then you go a little further down the roster. I mean, you have a, he's got a redshirt freshman, Jono Jansen, who is, he plays all these people. And he never plays this guy, like ever. ever. So I don't know. And he's supposed. And his he's supposed. He's six nine. He's supposed to be this perimeter. He's supposed to be this you know flex four shooter type guy. And you know, anytime I've ever seen him play, he shoots threes and he always misses. So I'm not sure where he's at in his development. But clearly, he's not anywhere near where Gary Waters trusts him to be out on the court, except for in garbage time. So that's kind of a problem. It could be. It could just be a case of a guy not really being, um, not really being able to translate what he is inside, you know, the regular inside practice or something. Not being able to translate. Possibly. That. Well, and, then, and you know, there's also a, there's also a transition because he's he is not he's from he's from Australia, so he's probably he may he may not have made the transition from the Australian game to the American game. Again, despite the fact he's had a year to do so. So well, there's that. Trapezoid and not a trapezoid. So I, mean, I don't That's, know. How, I don't really know how much of a difference like the the the, the international game is. It sounds like, yes. You know, so, I mean, he's from Australia. So if he's playing the international game, the international game is very much a shooter's game. So why is that? Why is he not able to shoot? Here in America, I don't. That is an excellent question to which I have no good answer, and I don't. Nobody, nobody, no, no fan, no fan seems to be able to have an answer for that because you know that would be. I would think that would be his game. I, I and that was a, talking about somebody who just has too small of a sample size at this point. You know, possibly. But, you know, it's but, but, but and that may be the case. But at the same time, you have Gary Waters, who's pretty much throwing everybody out there on in his rotation all the scholarship players three walk-ons this year and still at the end of the bench is this guy so um what does it say to anybody where gary waters is throwing everybody out there except for him yeah i I mean it's a fair question really is i mean yeah it is and then um you know, it, it's, 
Yeah, I think, and the other thing too is that you know, and he's already said this already that he needs a point guard because he doesn't have a point guard because he doesn't he 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 theoretically was thinking of coming in with two two point guards coming into the season, but then Kaze Keen left for Canada and he kicked Miles Hamilton off the team. So now he's now all he now all he has right now is is the the walk on Nelson Maxwell to fill in at that role. And, you know, walk-ons all over the place. Exactly. And he's a freshman and, you know, you see kind of, he's, a, and he's also, and he's also a freshman. So, you know, he's still trying to get acclimated to the, he's still trying to get acclimated to the college game. And, you know, that lends itself to some mistakes, especially, you know, if you're a walk-on and you haven't played half the season as Maxwell hasn't, um, you know, t- good case in point when um, during the end of the Detroit game, um, he's running point and near the end of the game. And you know, there's, there, there's really, there was really no sense of urgency um, to be able to score and then, you know, convert near the end of the game. So, you know, that was, that was, it, it, again, it's, you know, that, that you know, the, the learning experience and not to mention the fact that you don't have an, you know, an upperclassman to kind of, you know, learn from as it relates to that too, because there is none. I mean, all the rest of them are, you know, two guards and, you know, guys who are trying to fit into that point guard role and just have it. So, um, and I think, I think uh, he's taken that into consideration. He has taken that infor- that into consideration um, and he knows he's got to get a point guard. So I, from what it looks like, I think um, he's probably looking in the direction of a point guard who has some shooting abilities. And he's had those in the past. Uh, Charlie Lee's a good example. Cedric Jackson's a good example. Norris Cole is an obviously good example. So, I mean, that is to be, so I think that's kind of the direction he wants to go with this. I, I to where he's going to find it is unknown, whether he's going to go the high school route or the junior college route um, is, is unknown at this point. Um, so I think that's, that's probably going to answer part of the question. I think the other thing that he, I know he's looking for, I, it seems like he needs to look for is he needs to look for that, 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 that three or four, three or four position that can shoot because he he had that last year a little bit in Marlon Mason. He had that in you know even Anton Grady last year was starting to add the three point shot to his repertoire near the end of the season, and so I think his and ultimately and he had that in John Harris. Uh, a couple of years back, the senior transfer from uh, from Miami, who was a six nine kid, um, played the four and could shoot lights out. I think he might be looking in that direction as well. So there's just a lot of different things, a lot of different question marks, a lot of different uncertainty, and I can't even I can't even speculate as to who exactly I mean who exactly is going to be on this team next year and who exactly isn't going to be on this team next year. That's you know when when he makes this blanket statement like that, it makes me think that you know fair game on fair game whatever. I mean, knowing, you know, you could take an educated guess as to, you know, who is probably, who is obviously going to be on this team next year, but man, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's been that kind of year where I just, I just can't tell anymore. It's kind of surprising to know that, like, to even, to hear even like this point in the season, 
that somebody is going to blow up their roster. Um, usually that's something you hear. Uh, usually that's something you hear like color commentators or like analysts say about a baseball team coming towards the, coming towards the trade deadline. Uh, Fire sale. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you don't really hear that from colleges where, you know, a lot of these people that we're talking about are, are, are stu- that we, these kids are students mm-hmm. on scholarship. And, you know, a couple of them aren't on scholarship, but there's, you're still talking about students and their education and stuff. So, well, I, see, the, here's the, now keep in mind here too, because this is, you know, we've clear, Gary Waters has, has, has had transfers before, um, without, without a doubt. Um, but a lot of these fo- and a lot of the a lot of the transfer the most recent examples I can think of are uh, Josh McCoy and um, oh, Charlie Woods. Uh, they were both um, Charlie Woods never really got a, a you know Charlie Woods got severely injured uh, his freshman year um, had a real bad hand injury um, never really kind of uh, he, he never really was able to you know, kind of get into the rotation at Cleveland state. Uh, Josh McCoy was a, you know, a pretty good guard, pretty good fill in. I thought, Um, but eventually both of those two, and and again, most of the students who do most of the, the athletes do transfer. They usually transfer to a division school, division two school, finish up there and and end up finishing up their degrees. Um, You know, that, the one thing that Gary Waters does do is graduates all his players, including the ones that don't even go there anymore, as was the case with Charlie Woods, as was the case with uh, Josh McCoy. I think um, I think uh, he had Anthony Wells, who was a local kid. He went up to Indiana University of Pennsylvania. I believe he graduated from there. So um, I think there's probably some things behind the scenes where he's able to, you know, he's able to find situations where these kids can play and finish up their education. So it's not a matter. So it, it by no means, I think is a matter of him, you know, you know, cutting, ba- you know, cut, you know, cutting loose and, you know, wishing the, just, you know, saying goodbye and wishing these kids the best of luck. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's a matter. I think if he's looking at it, he's kind of evaluating and saying, okay, well here, you have a situation, you have a, you have an opportunity, probably saying, Hey, you probably have an opportunity to play, but maybe not at this level. Let's look at some of your options and maybe some of the lower levels. I'm thinking that's probably well, what's going to be the case. I do know that. I do know that um, uh, that happens. That's happened at our program too, where we've kind of like funneled kids toward UW Parkside in division two or UW Whitewater in division three. And, you know, the, the coaches there are great, and those kids will usually find better playing time. And in some instances, it and I works. think that's the other thing too, because you have some, you have instances, especially Cleveland State, where you have you have you have you have players near the end of the bench where probably who probably could get more playing time at an, at a Division two school uh, and do ex, do extremely well in that situation. Uh, and that's gonna and not just Cleveland State, obviously. There's yeah, as you mentioned, there that that is that can be the case in in you know any school any particular school in the horizon league it's it's just it's just how you manage the roster but i i just I, i'm to the point where i'm just kind of surprised that he was um he was saying that to the group during the season um you know when you're saying out loud to all those kids teammates that you know some of the some of you aren't going to be back next year 
kind of thing. That that was surprising to me. And keep in mind too, there are two people. There are actually two people on this roster currently who are redshirt, who were redshirts, who can who can very well graduate in May. One of them is uh, one of them is Aaron Scales, and the other one, and this is going to make a lot of people nervous, is Andre Yates. Yeah. Um, it's it's really up to and there's and honestly there and it's and it's interesting because there's really been especially even when you know last summer you know and I heard this a couple of times I don't know if it's there's any validity to it or not but you know there could be some oppor- there could be some opportunities to for for Andre for Andre Yates to um, graduate from Cleveland State and transfer to another school because the NCAA obviously has not has not you know done anything with the graduate transfer rule and so therefore it's still in place so theoretically he could do that whether he does it or not remains to be seen I don't know I know that in in our own city I know that Marquette a lot of their people have been talking about getting a graduate transfer guard in the mold of an Andre Yates so if thanks for sharing Snake, you know, be don't like freak out. Just you know, be surprised. The season has gone so. The season just has gone in such a direction at Cleveland State this season that um, I'll be honest. I would not be surprised if I would not be surprised to to see a name that I wouldn't have expected to see leave leave. I would not. That would not surprise me in the least. At the, the way the season has gone, it would not surprise me in the least at all. So, so move, moving on, though, I don't, I don't want to. I just don't want to make this another podcast about how you program straights. Um, no, please, let's not do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the the other thing too, and I, um, you know, the the I, I know we talked a little bit about the you know. The, I want to. I do want to get back to the get back to the to Milwaukee, obviously, um, because you because it really is kind of a case of you know where you're gonna you know you're six and five right now, and um, you know where does where do you see the where do you see the Panthers going moving forward now that you know you, you get you have this this right state Northern Kentucky road trip that that you know, didn't go as well as you wanted to at all. No, uh, the, the fat, the sad thing is we should have won both games. Um, if and you had opportunity and you really had opportunities to do both. It looks like, I mean, total of five points. So what do yeah. you, what's the, how do you, how do you feel really bad? Is it, is it the close of the game or is it the, or is it the, you know, these really bad runs, um, you know, right stake to a 20 point lead. Northern Kentucky erased uh, a double-digit lead of our own. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think I don't know if it's I don't know if it's um, complacency with the Northern Kentucky game or what. Uh, I, I think I think part of Northern Kentucky and the reason that Northern Kentucky was able to beat us uh, it was a pretty big game for them. It was a pretty big. I don't uh, know. And I going back to your original point about the three point shooting. I mean, you know, and it wasn't, and it wasn't even Jay, uh, it wasn't even Billups who did that. I mean, Billups didn't shoot a single three pointer. 
again, it was Cole Murray because that uh, Cole Murray, man. When I brought up the three point shooting, it seems like there's always every team's got somebody who just hurts us from three. Uh, And it's Cole. Cole Murray has been doing that to everybody this season, so don't feel bad. It's it's, it's Cole Murray there. It's any number of guys at Valpo. uh, JT Yoho at Wright State had like 29 on Thursday night. Um, Obviously, Mr. Three Pointers at at Oakland. You know, you have Max Hooper. Oh, Max Hooper, who only shoots three pointers, I might add. (laughs) He He still has not. He is still a notch. He still has not uh, attempted a, a shot within the arc. I think he, you know. I there we're really. I think I'm really rooting for him just to just go o for o within you know within the uh, three point arc. I'm I'm rooting for that now. We've had a bad stretch with our uh, with our guards. Um, at this point in the season, everybody's hurt, so it's really hard to to say like. This is the team is hurting, and this is why they're doing poorly. Um, I, I I do know that because this team isn't quite as deep, uh, you know, getting we're deep enough at guard that we should be fine. But the problem is, is that uh, the guys that are getting hurt are all three of the guys who have been starting for us at guard. Jordy uh, Johnson has uh, an oblique a strain. They're not one hundred percent sure what it is. It hasn't been uh, last I talked to a coach it hadn't been you know, totally diagnosed. Um, so we don't know exactly what it is. They, they know that there's something wrong with his oblique. They're calling him oblique strain. And you see that in his game. He still plays as much as he does, but he's not, he, he's, he's not, um, he hasn't really been taking over the game as he's been, a, been, that happened to him in the green Bay game. So this, mm-hmm. there's something else is bo- that's bothering him. Um, Akeem Springs actually missed the Oakland game. And Akeem's yeah, I know he's been. I know you mentioned. Uh, I know you you had mentioned not, maybe not necessarily on here, but on Twitter that he he's been really trying to work through through some injuries. They want to play, and I understand when kids want to play. So when Akeem Springs has a bruised knee and a strained muscle in his in the back of his knee, the same knee, uh, I, I understand. I understand that you want to play. And I understand that this team, while we are while we are relatively deep uh, at the guard on the wing, um, Akeem Springs is really the best um, the best defender against tall perimeter players. So when we played Oakland, Max Hooper had a had himself a game because we just don't have anybody at his height that's fast enough to guard him. Um, he's 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 only shooting three pointers, but he's quick around the arc. So oh, he's, he knows how to move around. I'm not saying this is on the same level. I'm just saying it's in the same style as a guy like Ray Allen. Uh, Ray Allen knows knew, and I presume he still knows how to really get himself open and stay open and be open. Uh, how to how to use cuts? How to use uh, screeners in any different ways? Max Hooper knows how to do that. Um, Max Hooper is kind of like blend into the background and then all of a sudden come sure. out. So, the, the, missing Akeem really hurt us there, and I'm sure that Akeem's, I know that Akeem's knee is still bothering him, so a guy like Cole Murray is able to do what he does partly because of that. So mm-hmm. having those two and then also having Jaquan McLeod having the problems that Jaquan McLeod has 
Uh-huh. Uh, he, he's been nursing a hamstring for about a month. Uh-huh. In fact, look at Jaquan's game game by game numbers, you can actually pretty much tell where his where, where he was having a problem, where his problems. Sure. For Milwaukee, I think I think we're getting some injuries that are hard for us to deal with, and it's just a matter of getting those guys healthy. But really, the defense just has to get it, the, the defense just has to be there. Otherwise, sure. And if we're us to you know get into the CBI or CIT or maybe even sixteen, this fifth tournament coming around, you know, if hopefully they can do something in it. But if sure. we don't get the they don't get the defense together. It's not going to help. And yeah. They don't need to have a great, great, great defense. They just need to defend the perimeter better because J.J. Panaski is just fine in the post. Really defend in the post. Okay. And so that's, that's part of the problem. So, um, I'm I'm actually glad you brought up uh, the the postseason tournaments because I, I know we we've still got some time left here in in the conference schedule. Still have the conference tournament still to go. When you look at the Horizon League as a whole, um, do we still are we still looking at Valpo even if they lose the conference tournament to be an at large? No, um, no. Val- Valpo was. And this is not of the team's doing. Valpo has the problem that a lot of good mid-majors are having a problem with lately. And that problem is that they do not have uh, they do not have the at-large schedule. They don't have the non-conference schedule that really affords them all the opportunities. They played, I believe it was two high-major games, Oregon and Oregon State. They split those. Uh-huh. Um, you know, beating Oregon State is is kind of like us beating Minnesota. Are you really impressed? But is it really impressive that Milwaukee beat Minnesota? Minnesota is a pushover of a Big Ten team. So just because you're in the Big Ten doesn't mean that you're, you know, this great program. Uh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, Oregon State's having a decent year this year. <laughs> I thought they were because they got Gary because they got Gary Payton the second who's a legit NBA draft uh, prospect so Oregon State was hovering around 500 in the Pac-12 though possibly either way that's good then I then my apologies for mixing mixing that up but the last the last time I looked at Oregon, but Oregon State, obviously is the yeah and it's been a few weeks I don't think Oregon State I didn't know that Oregon State was doing better but you're still talking about one quality win there. You're talking about quality one with Iona, but really Valpo is missing. Valpo wasn't able to get the teams they needed on their schedule. Um, they needed to get somebody in the arc that was, if not an at-large caliber, caliber team, somebody who was going to be a, a for sure fire win of their They don't have that team. Um, they don't have... They don't. They just don't have the road games that they need. You need to have a bunch of road games. You got to win almost all of them. Velpo's Velpo's good, but I just I just don't know if they're gonna have. I don't know if when you come to Selection Sunday and you're watching all of the teams that are on the uh, that are on the the forecasts. You show like you get Joel Lunardi on ESPN, and he shows his. 
he shows his roster. You know, these are the players that – these are the teams that have a shot. And this team's got a shot. Maybe they didn't do so well in their conference, but they've got uh, – they're X and X. They're 4-2 they're and two against the top 50. Valpo doesn't have six games against the top 50. Valpo's no. got – you know, Valpo's, Valpo's not going to have enough of a sample size for the selection committee to go and say, yeah, well, Valpo for sure would win this. You're looking at another loss outside, because you know, if they don't, you know, a, a Horizon League tournament loss would mean they'd be losing to somebody who's outside the top 50, because the Horizon League probably isn't going to have anybody else in the top 50. I, I think the top team after Valpo is like 85 or 86. Uh, um, no, way further down than that. Are you talking about RPI or are you talking about Pomeroy? I'm talking about RPI. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think I, I checked this morning. Um, Oakland is the second best, and they're at like 132 at this point. Are they really that low? Yes, they are. Which actually leads me to my next question, which is you have all of these other teams – um, you know, other teams, are we looking, are, are we looking at a situation, say, for example, if Falpo does, uh, does run the table, uh, does actually win the con- regular season title and win the conference tournament and gets into the NCAA, are we looking at a situation, if that indeed is the case, where you're going to have Valpo, who's going to be an NCAA team, and then, um, then you have the other teams where you're not going to see an NIT bid and you're going to see a whole bunch of CIT, CI, CBI bids. And if so, at this point in time, who do you think would be kind of qualify in that particular realm? Well, I think there's, I think there's six teams that are going to the postseason. You really think so? Yeah, I think that, I think that Valpo obviously there. Oakland is obviously there. Wright State's obviously there. I also think Milwaukee, Oakland, uh, or excuse me, Milwaukee, Green Bay, and Detroit will probably all go to the postseason. I'm. I would say. Be, I would gotta, say we're adding 16 teams to the postseason this year, so there's going to be there's 16 more opportunities. So now, re, now refresh my memory on the addition of the 16 teams. What is the story behind that? So the uh, the BD Global, which ran, which runs the. Gulf Coast Showcase preseason uh-huh. tournament that in, is actually starting a um, a you know a fifth postseason tournament. They're calling it the Vegas Sixteen. Um, oh Jesus! It, yeah, it's it's all it's all in Vegas at the UNLV Thomas and Mack Center. But really, um, it's for opportunity. The fact of the matter is, there's 351 teams in Division One. Yeah, you have you have to have more. It's not fair to have teams that are not able, you know, that don't get the games. It's it's not fair to those teams like, say, an IPFW that can't, you know, that can't get, uh, that may win 20 games but don't have the, the profile to get in the NIT. It's not fair for them to have to get stuck, you know, without a postseason. I, I think at 351, you have – or how many teams do we have in the postseason now? We have 68 in the NCAA. And 32 in the NIT, and then you got – what is it? Is it 30 – In the other two. Hey, I'm sorry. I thought it was only 16 in one and 32 in the other. I could not remember to save my life. 
I think it's I thought it was sixteen and sixteen, but it might be thirty two in the CBI. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I thought can't. it was yeah, the CI yeah, the CIT is a weird thing too because um the CIT I've always found to be a weird thing because it's a tournament where it, it's like who's li- it's like who's line whose line is it anyway? The points you know the 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 games are fun and the points don't matter. I don't know because you know you have so many random kind of things that don't even go by record or seeding or anything like that. It's just such a weird tournament that is at CIT. The, CI, the, the, the CBI is the one that's weird to me because the championship isn't a championship game. It's a championship series, best of three. Um, that was that's the. I mean, it's cool because if you get to the championship game, if you get to the championship in the CBI, you have not one. But, you know, you don't have one, but per, potentially three more games, and one of them is a home game for sure. So yeah. that's. I mean, I think that's really cool because you got to win at home and you got to win on the road. Um, so it's just a, uh, it's, it's, I think it's a cool thing. It's a little different than some of the others, but I, I just, I like that there's opportunity. Does anybody, does everybody be in the CBI or the CIT or this Vegas 16? No, nobody wants to be in those. No, ironically, especially not the high majors because they always make a stink every year about not wanting to be in it. Like Indiana doesn't want to be in anything but the NCAA or NIT. Yeah, it's uh, you know screw those teams. Guys like guys like Tom Crean are just always going to try and do something to make themselves look cooler. And one of the things they can do is to diss one tournaments by saying. Oh, no. Now, mind you, this is a guy. This is a guy who wanted to cut the nets down before he won the uh, Big Ten tournament. So he's always going to be remembered for that. So no matter how cool he thinks he is, we always have that in our memories. So he will never be cool. I remember him always because of how he uh, how he ducked us until we went nine and twenty two when he was at Marquette. But really, at, at the end of the day, that he wouldn't be going to the CIT anyways because the CIT only lets in mid majors and low majors. That's true. I'm not sure what the requirements are going to be for this Vegas 16, but I do know that uh, I do know that it's more opportunity. So sure. my guess is six, and you know, how, however the conference shakes out, we may get seven. There may be a seventh team getting in. Northern Kentucky, maybe they're going, or maybe maybe they're going to be eligible for the uh, for the postseason. If, secondary tournament or there is and there is actually a discussion going on right now in that general the same area not necessarily northern kentucky but uh grand canyon university in the WAC, where dan marley is the head coach where they are just running they're just running roughshod over the whack but they're still in the probationary period and they are they're in the probationary period so they cannot even if they wanted to they couldn't get into the NCAA or NIT. That said, a CPI or a CIT is still with sounds theoretically within a within the realm of possibility. It's funny. Um, I should bring up Grand Canyon University because we, we did I did I talk about them when we played them in the scrimmage? Uh, no, you didn't. Fun story about three or four years ago. I want to say it was just three years ago because I think it was Grand Canyon's first year in Division One. Uh-huh. Our uh, 
uh, our then director of basketball operations, Chip McKenzie, who's now the athletic director at West Dallas Central High School, just about um, about a mile from my house. He uh, okay. he's telling me about uh, he was telling me about the um, Grand Canyon and how they were coming into Milwaukee for a scrimmage. Now, for those who don't know, Grand Canyon's a for-profit school. Yes, it is. Division one. So. Uh, before you say anything else, anybody who wants to, anybody who wants to know anything about Grand Canyon University, go to PBS, go to Frontline, and go to the uh, go to the the Frontline show, uh, College Inc. And that is pretty much all you can. And that, that was done in 2011. All you need to know about Grand Canyon University as a for-profit school, you will find out from that ser- from that particular thing. But go on. So Grand Canyon. Comes to us and uh, says, "Well, we'll, you know, we do the scrimmage. We mm-hmm. offer them to practice in our building the day before the practice." And they're like, "No, we're actually going to go practice at the Cousin Center. The Cousin Center just so happens to be the practice facility of the Milwaukee Bucks. So somehow the somehow Grand Canyon was able to get." Uh, they were able to fly in Friday night. They had a scrimmage with us Saturday morning, and fri- Friday at some point they practiced at the Bucks practice facility, not at you know yeah. just any any ho hum practice facility. They practiced at the Bucks facility. So they, you got now, you, now, and you know why, right? Because at one point in time, Grand Canyon University was printing money, so they, they, they they're good for it. You gotta. You gotta let you gotta let me tell you the whole story. Oh, okay. Grand Canyon covers. Uh, Grand Canyon is obviously this for-profit school in Phoenix. They're yep. a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they were a decent team in Division Two. Obviously, when they're coming up to Division One, there's a reshuffling that goes on. Obviously, they flew in. Practice at the Bucks facility the next morning. Come with us, uh, play, play us, and then leave. Uh, a lot of teams will do that. Most of the time, you're bussing because it's just a scrimmage, so you're usually playing a team that's from somewhere in the area. Sure. Sometimes high majors will play teams from farther away. Um, we've done our private scrimmages against like Northwestern, uh, I think Illinois, not Illinois, one year, uh, Minnesota, one year. We've done their private scrimmages against. We try and get the best, you know, the best team we can get that's somewhat close. With Grand Canyon, obviously they're nowhere near Milwaukee. No. So he's he's telling me about this this team. They they came they flew in in the afternoon on a Friday, had had practice. They had dinner after practice at a five star restaurant here in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. At the five after the five star restaurant, they stayed at the most expensive hotel we have in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and every player, they didn't double up. Every player had his own bed, uh, his own hotel room. Mm-hmm. The next morning, they had uh, they had breakfast at the at an, another five star restaurant. Uh huh. Came over. Uh, played us in a scrimmage, and then they got back on their the Grand Canyon University's athletics department private jet. Yep. Back to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It's a program that is loaded, and it's not just because they're for yep. profit. For profit, 
So they, they understand that they understand what a lot of academics don't that sure. basketball is the marketing arm of university. A lot of universities in this country and most of them in division one do not mm-hmm. understand that athletics is the marketing arm of the school. So you have this problem where you have a lot of players, you have a lot of universities that won't spend diddly on their athletics program, especially their basketball program, which is the way you get the best bang for your buck as far as your marketing dollar, if you think of it like that. Those schools will not spend any money doing it. Grand Canyon, obviously, by what they did in the, during the scrimmage, they're spending quite a bit of money. So, of course. It turns out we find out that Dan Marley is really mostly a figurehead for this program. He may be yeah. huge, but really he's a figurehead because it's about having an, a former NBA player that kids all know. Sure. And that having him on, you know, as the coach of the team reflects well on them. Well, yeah. Itself is run by one of the faculty members in the athletic department. The faculty, the faculty member at the time who was running the pro or kind of running the program or helping the program was a guy named Jerry Colangelo, who, if you don't know who Jerry Colangelo is, he just so happens to be at the same time, the director of USA basketball. How does, he, how does Grand Canyon university get to have the director of USA basketball uh, helping their program? Well, Jerry Colangelo is a member of the Grand Canyon University faculty. So because he's a he's allowed almost unfettered access to the basketball program. Of course. So Grand Canyon players, you know, if you go play Grand Canyon, you are rubbing, you're rubbing elbows with the elite basketball players. The LeBrons, they play pickup basketball against them all the time. The, you know, your LeBrons, Kevin Durant, all these guys know the kids at Grand Canyon because they're spending, you know, their summers playing pickup with these kids. So how does that help recruiting? It helps recruiting in a huge way. Sure. Uh, obviously practice is where you're spending a lot of your time. So it, it would be like building the best practice facility in the country. You know, you're spending, you're, you're rubbing elbows with the best players and that's how you're going to do it. And Grand Canyon also, says we're going to treat you like kings. You come here and you're going to be eating the best meals. You're going to be flying the best pri- you know the, you're going to be, have the best travel. You're going to be flying with you're going to be staying in the That's a great way to recruit basketball players. Well, here's the other thing about what and, and it's funny and the other part and what's ironic of course is that Ever since um, the whole for-profit, because I probably know more about for-profit schools than anybody care, should ever, never, ever know. But the, the thing about Grand Canyon is they're a for-profit, but they are looking to get back into being a non-profit again, probably because of the fact that you know the federal government is you know clamping down on for-profit schools like you wouldn't believe. So I think they're they're schools are 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 degree mills and they should i don't know if every single one of them should be shuttered but they should have to they should have to be at the same uh they should have to have the same kind of academic uh academic requirements that the rest of us do and they should have to treat students the same way the rest of us do or better 
and they shouldn't have uh, basically they, they, they shouldn't be allowed to basically be bandit universities you know we talk about bandit programs like Louisville or you know Kentucky or some of these other basketball programs but there you know, some of these for-profit universities are bandit universities they're ba- you're basically going and you're learning something you know you're they're taking your money for not much return yeah. Well, We're there's a lot of. Well, oh, Jimmy, there, there's a lot of things. Yeah. I was, um, there, I was saying. I, I know. But, and there's a lot of different things I can say about that. But um, uh, I, I think uh, instead, <laughs> I think instead we'll go just kind of wrap this up. Well, I'm just saying a for profit school has some built in advantages that we don't have. So it's yeah. good, good, good for Grand Canyon. And I'm just saying. I wasn't surprised because I knew of this. I knew of this con- uh, this connection when we had the when we had them up here for the scrimmage a few years ago. I knew what kind of program they were going to be. I mean, sure. Uh, the same this, that director of basketball ops said to me in the same in the same conversation. He says uh, Arizona State shaken in their boots at Grand Canyon University. That program is scared scared of Grand Canyon. This for-profit school has to market. Marketing is everything for a for-profit school. So if you mm-hmm. have a nationally prominent basketball program, it's it's huge. So mm-hmm. that's just that's just I I, I didn't want to you know extend it too much longer. I just wanted sure. to finish. All right. Well, um, yeah. So uh, that'll close us out for this week. Um, tune in next week. Uh, remember, you can always catch us on uh, fourlights.fm. Be sure to subscribe, man. And, you know, we're iTunes, Stitcher. Please Tune in. Subscribe. Yes. Well, and, and, you know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll see you next week and we'll, we'll probably, we'll, we'll see who else we can get on. If you want to come on as a guest, uh, let us know. And if you have any suggestions, hey, feel free to give us a, give us a buzz and um, we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. Totally. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. We'll see you next week. North Coast. The gate, winning gold, and a mate on the stove, whipping cakes, onion O's, North Cold, North Cold, North, North Cold, North Cold, North Cold, North Cold, North Cold, North Cold, North, North Cold, North Cold, North Cold, North Hot Top, Roll a joint, push the point, push the point, back to back. Chips, two finger joints, peace. West whip it left, got a check on the east. Cleveland the depth, chip a rep with my sneaks. Gold on my peas, gold on my sleeves. Dough in my jeans, I got holes on me. Ain't too many with a style like me. Sound like me. Tryna, tryna sound like me. Hit them with a hesitation. Ankles breaking, shaking, shaking, baking. Back to the basics. I spent that time in the basement. Started you with the replacements. Play bitch, they miss. Trey hit, straight swish. Cleveland State, North Cold. Up the gate, winning gold. And a mate on the stove. Whipping cakes, onion O's. North Cold, North Cold, North, North Cold, North Cold, North Cold. North Cold, North Cold, North Cold, North North Cold, North Cold.
hot top, got the hot top, got the heat. Ain't no stopping me, fool my socks elite. Two twins on top of me, that's a Sassalise. Say he blocking me, well I got the scene. Spot up, spot up, for the pull up. He put what he could up, then I put the hood up. Then I roll the good up, when the whole thing got to go rain. Poppin' champagne, shorty in a road game. Cleveland State, North Cold. Out the gate, winning gold. And I make on the stove. Whipping cakes, onion O's. North Cold, North Cold, North, North Cold, North Cold, North Cold. North cold, North cold, North cold, North North cold, North cold, North cold, North hot top. Yeah, yeah. Feel me, feel me. Know what time it is? Ready, call AK to have you left. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Chopper on, chopper on. Oh